Welcome to the first season of Average Joe's Rawcast. My name is Joe Fuentes. I'm a husband, a father of two teenagers, a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. Also a father of four pets, two dogs and two cats. I've been a nursing home administrator since 2001. I am a co-owner of Chill Pots, a paint-your-own pottery studio. A very cool place that my run my wife runs on a daily basis. So welcome to my podcast and here we go. Okay, so welcome back to a Monday night rawcast. Uh, we're gonna start out with a little fire update like we have been the uh, last few weeks. So a um, couple of fires, uh, the Grizzly Creek fire. That's the one by Glenwood Springs. Uh, the fire has not grown in about two weeks, so they're just uh, pretty much containing that. It burned about 32,400 acres. So that one's pretty much uh, out and just monitoring, like I said. Also, the William Fork Fire. That's uh, the one that's in uh, Frazier and Winter Park, right by there. It's burned about 14,357 acres, and it's 26 percent contain it has not grown a whole lot either so they're kind of taking a uh, observation on that and making sure nothing uh, there's no hot spots or no flare-ups so those two fires they look like they're going to be going out especially with the snow starting to come in the mountains and that kind of thing but the one that's here local the west of fort collins the one that's southwest of red feather lakes the cameron peak fire now that Cameron Peak fire, I've been reporting on that. That started on August 13th. And now that has burned 134,559 acres as of Monday morning, this morning. That's a that's 210 square miles. And uh, that is 47% contained right now. They're still investigating uh, the Cameron Peak fire. They don't know what the cause of that was. They don't know if it was arson or they don't know if it was lightning strike they just can't determine that yet um, that fire did grow by 675 acres since saturday and here in northern colorado yesterday sunday it was really windy i mean I, everything in my yard i think blew over to my neighbor's yard or blew up against the fence so chairs were everywhere a curtain that we had put up for the block the sun on the outside blew over the rod broke and so yeah it was really windy uh up in the mountains i know they were getting gusts of 60 65 miles an hour and plus it's still dry there so you know that didn't help the firefighting efforts any and i'm sure made it a lot worse well by 675 acres worse so yeah they're continuing to battle the cameron peak fire and uh Smoke not quite as bad the last couple of days. Maybe the wind blew it out. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's still the air quality here is still poor. It's not great. It's definitely filling my sinuses still. And um, so the Cameron Peak Fire, it is right now the number three fire in Colorado history. If you're wondering, the number two fire in uh, Colorado history is the Heyman Fire. And that one was back in 2002, and that was northwest of Colorado Springs. 
and that one burned 137,760 acres, so another big fire. Uh, so with the 134,500 in the Cameron Peak, it uh, doesn't have far to go to catch that Heyman fire. And then, of course, the number one fire that I had reported on in weeks past was the uh, one that started this year, 2020, the Pine Gulch fire, the one north of Grand Junction. And the total on that for burnt acres is 139,007. So, unfortunately, I think the Cameron Peak fire is definitely going to probably catch both the Heyman fire and the Pine Gulch fire. Just the, with the dry conditions and uh, just seems like only with only 47% containment, it just seems like it's destined to be the number one fire in Colorado history. And then also I had reported last week on the uh, Molen fire. That Molen fire is the one, it started on September 17th and it's the one that's west of Laramie, Wyoming. And right now, the Cameron Peak Fire and the Molen Fire are only 25 miles apart. So I'm thinking those two are probably going to um, combine their uh, burning efforts, and that's not going to be good. Um, they are having some hope, though, that since there is snow in the forecast in the mountains in the next couple of weeks, hopefully it'll slow some of this down. But right now, that Molen Fire west of Laramie, that thing has burnt uh, 175,564 acres, and it's destroyed 65 uh, structures so far, too. So it's pretty destructive fire as far as structures go. And also, there's a lot of people that have to get evacuated from this fire. And right now, that's 274 square miles that it's burnt, and it's only 27% contained so with that Cameron Peak fire and that Mullen fire um, really blazing, you can really feel the effects with that smoke. And uh, hopefully we do get some winter weather setting in to help these fires and the firefighters. And the firefighters on that Mullen fire, they are estimating that they will have containment on October 30th. So actually that's not too far away. I mean, that's still could burn a lot of acreage in the meantime, but, um, you know, October 30th, that's better than November 30th. So we'll keep an eye on these fires and uh, continue to give you updates as um, hopefully by next time, it's not the number one fire, Cameron Peak, but uh, it's definitely going that way. So just a little update on the uh, nursing home and COVID and our testing. So we had been testing uh, staff monthly, and we tested this on the 6th of this month, and uh, so we were getting results back, and I did check the results on Saturday morning, and unfortunately, we did, out of the, you know, 100 and some tests, we did have another positive pop-up. So... What does that mean? We will go back to weekly testing instead of monthly testing. Um, it's uh, kind of a funny thing though. Uh, the last one that we had positive uh, staff member, she, she had no symptoms. Uh, very shocked when I told her that she did come up with a positive COVID test. Well, the same with this individual. When, uh, you know, we let her know that 
she had tested positive. Uh, she was very shocked too. And she actually is a little older than um, she's in that age range where it could be at high risk. But yeah, no symptoms, hasn't had any through this whole time. She was tested on the 6th, even till today. She uh, wasn't symptomatic and just was very shocked. So it makes me question even more some of these tests and whether how accurate they are. Um, you know, is it that they just have to have one positive out of 100 or one out of 200? Or just seems funny that we've had the two staff members test positive and neither one of them are symptomatic and they both were very shocked. So I don't know. It looks like they would at least have <laughs> some kind of a symptom. But I don't know. And the Weld County, um, we were only going to have to test monthly if Weld County stayed under 5% for new cases. And I believe they are staying under that 5%, but it really doesn't matter now for us. We're going to have to do weekly testing for the next two weeks. And then if we come back with all negatives in the next two weeks, then uh, we will go back to monthly testing. And the crappy part about it too, is we also have to test residents this time. So we will be testing residents on uh, Wednesday or Thursday also, but um, I will keep you updated on that uh, as far as testing goes and anything else goes on in the nursing home. So I'm just going to go over a few things here in this segment, a few things on my mind. Uh, yeah, my wife, she's been gone to Washington to visit her girlfriend out there, uh, Skylar and Jamie. Uh, live out there now they were friends of ours that lived in severance and they moved out a few months ago to washington um, for get closer to family and it is beautiful out there so my wife went and left i think it was friday yeah she left friday and she flew out there and she'll be back tomorrow but good lord i'll tell you what um, i will give you a shout out amanda i didn't realize how much stuff you did do around here and uh, it's just been me and the kids and I have been running kids around here and there and driving with kids and trying to get work schedules and jujitsu schedules and cheerleading schedules and all other kinds of schedules and pumpkin patch schedules and uh, it's been a pretty hectic week so uh, it kind of it's kind of nice I guess to uh, have the wife get away and I realize how much she does do and how much I do miss her when she's gone. I mean, just the uh, cooking and the laundry. I think the kids are pretty sick of my uh, cooking and we've been eating out a lot, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah. So appreciation goes out there and it's amazing how crazy busy the uh, kids are. And my wife's call, she calls me and tells me, you know, she just loves it out there. And uh, right across the border there, they go to Idaho and they went shopping and she had, uh, I think even before that had kind of looked at some towns over in Idaho and post falls, Idaho, I know is one of them off the top of my mind. If I can remember, I don't remember the other ones, but, uh, you know, at one time I was, uh, thinking in a couple of years, we always talk that once our uh, daughter gets out of high school, you know, maybe it's time for us to pick another state and, go live in another state and new adventure and that kind of thing. Well, we kind of 
at first was thinking Texas, uh, you know, uh, a lot of places in Texas, the cost of living's a lot cheaper. You can get a lot of house for, you know, compared to Colorado, of course, we could live in a mansion compared to what we paid for our house. And, um, we even got into the housing market when it was relatively, uh, cheap, if you can call it that, I guess, uh, seven or eight years ago, we got into our house and, you know, I coming from Kansas, I looked at the housing market and I looked at the house prices and I was like, holy shit, I cannot believe people pay this much for a house. And, you know, uh, and then it just kept getting worse. And we had friends that three or four or five years after we bought our house would buy a house that was even smaller than ours or even comparable to ours. And the prices that they had to pay, I thought, mm, maybe it wasn't so bad that what we had to pay. But anyway, so, you know, we're, we're always looking at other places and new adventures and that kind of thing. But I don't know, she's been talking about Idaho and I've been looking up a few things on Idaho and I don't know. I, that seems like a pretty nice state to maybe live in. Um, so maybe in two, three years, we will look at something like that, you know, with the lower cost of living. And as far as outdoor activities and stuff go, you know, um, they have pretty much all the same stuff Colorado has, and it's beautiful out there. And um, hell, if you go anywhere around Colorado, it seems like you're always waiting in line or everything's so busy. You have to have reservations now just with the population that's come in. So, you know, some of the things I'm looking at is, uh, you know, lower cost of living. Uh, we could get into a, even a smaller house out there. We won't have to have a great big house or anything with uh, the kids out of the house and just be me and her and they'd come back and visit and that kind of thing. But we wouldn't, we'd probably half the size of the house we have now we'd be plenty uh, good with. And also, you know, the population, I know it is growing. There is some people moving to Idaho, but nothing like Colorado, nothing like the population of Colorado. And um, when we were living in our little neighborhood, we first moved in here, Green Spire, there were not very many houses on our block or around us. We had a big old open field in the back and, uh, we would go back there and shoot bow and arrows and BB guns. And, uh, you know, we would play baseball back there and I'd take the dogs, just let them run free back there. And, uh, had a little, we have a little Creek, I guess you would call it. It's not really a river. It's a branch off the river. So it's a little Creek. And now we have houses galore back there. I mean, in the last year, year and a half, I mean, there's been 20 houses built just back there and, there's no longer a field at all. Uh, it goes right up to that little creek, and they're putting a sidewalk or a bike path there. So, you know, I'm used to a little more elbow room and a little more freedom. So that's another part of it, too, is I'm, I'm just feeling really cramped and just feel like, uh, you know, it, the world's kind of enclosing on me because actually with all the houses built, it kind of is. So... Uh, that would be another reason. Also, you know what? Another reason would also be because it's a, a red state. I think it makes a difference. Uh, I think you probably see a little more freedoms, and I think the taxes are probably a little more reasonable than uh, some of the blue states you see, uh, you know, like you know, Colorado and California. I mean, everybody exiting California, that Governor Newsom and them, that's a pretty much a shit show there in California. So, 
Um, and I think a lot of people from California are going to Idaho and those kind of areas. So hopefully it's not too many California people because we don't want to see like a all those people that uh, came to Colorado because, you know, they thought it was so cheap back in the day and buy two houses because that was about the same price as one house in California. So hopefully that doesn't ha happen to Idaho. But uh, no, and like my wife's business, Chill Pots, you know, in two or three years, maybe she'll have it established enough where she can uh, just hire a manager and, you know, come back and check on it and stuff. I know she'll want to keep the business because that is her passion. But uh, hell, maybe she'll open one up in Idaho. Who knows? But that's kind of what we've been looking forward to. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I think I've uh, switched from wanting to go to Texas to maybe Idaho now. We've been in Colorado over a decade and, uh, you know, maybe it's a time for a change. And as far as my work goes, I could do some interim stuff maybe as a nursing home administrator or, you know what, hell, I might just get out of the industry totally and try something new. I mean, who knows? Yeah, you're never too old, right? So, um, yeah, so another update is last time I was talking about, I went on some statins. I, I think I gave you an update on my vitamin D was really low and um, they put me on some statins. And my sister had listened to my podcast and she had texted me and she said, ooh, I don't know. I think I would reconsider those statins. I mean, of course, it's up to you. But she texted me how she remembers when my dad was on statins, you know, a few years back, uh, well, several years back now, that he had terrible side effects from them and lost a bunch of his muscle tone and just felt miserable. And she said my mom also had aches and muscle aches and uh, my sister also did too when they had put her on it and she got off of it too so um you know what i reconsidered and i think i took one pill and i said screw that i'm, I'm not going to go through that again because i did have muscle aches like you know 12 15 years ago whenever they put me on those i remember having the muscle aches and just uh being miserable with that so I'm going to take my chances and uh, you know what, I guess I'll take my chances with a heart attack and stroke and sometimes the uh, cure, like they say, is uh, worse than the disease. So uh, I'm not doing the statin thing and uh, I guess the doctor can, you know, preach to me again, but um, I won't be listening. Another random thing, uh, I saw the Lakers won the uh, championship uh, last night over the Miami Heat. Um, so, you know what it might say to that? Whipty shit, who cares? It sounds like nobody watched it. I mean, who does watch the NBA anymore? That's my question. The TV ratings I did here were like the lowest that they've ever been for that championship game or the finals. I can't remember what it was, but something like five, five and a half million, 5.6 million people were viewing that. And that is a 70% decline. They were saying from even last year and last year, um, let's see, last year was golden state warriors and the Toronto Raptors out of Canada. So Last year, with the, this year was a seventy percent decrease from a you know a championship where one of the uh, cities was from Canada. <laughs> so uh, 
usually when there's a Canadian city on there, not too many people watch that because there's not a whole lot of, you know, United States fans um, that root for Toronto. And kind of compare compare that to the Sunday night football game. If you guys watched that last night, it was the Vikings and the Seahawks. That was actually a pretty damn good game. Um, that Vikings and Seahawks game, they drew 11.4 million viewers. So the championship for the NBA is 5.6 million viewers. And the uh, Sunday night football game for the Vikings and the Seahawks is 11.4 million viewers. So... Yeah, that damn Russell Wilson, you know what, that guy's, that guy's pretty good. If he's down and you give him any time on the clock, he's going to come burn you. So, uh, But anyway, side note to that. So that NBA thing, I was thinking, you know what, um, you know, tough shit. Who would ask about, uh, who would ask the NBA guys anything about politics and stuff? And I think that's why their ratings are so low. I think it's probably pretty obvious. I mean, uh they politicize the NBA so bad anymore. And who's their kingpin there, Mr. LeBron James? You know, he won the championship with the Lakers. Um, you know, he's uh, he's always trying to bring in his social justice stuff with the NBA. I mean, they I think they even have Black Lives Matter on the court, if I remember right. And uh, you know what? He's I've talked about LeBron James before and what a hypocrite he was. He is. And, uh, you know, he's Mr. Social Justice and shit. He's in bed with China, you know, the biggest human rights violators on the earth. And uh, him and the NBA are, you know, bed partners with him. And I was thinking about LeBron James. I know there was like, I, I'm not going to quote it directly, but it was kind of, uh, he said that he was very afraid to uh, leave his house you know, with the way cops act and that kind of thing that he fears for his life when he leaves the house. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pull out my bullshit flag on that. He's, you know what, he's a liar. He doesn't fear for his life when he leaves the damn house, his gated community and his millions of dollars. And, you know, basically, he's just an ingrate. And he's trying to think that he's some great social justice warrior when really, um, you know, I think he's pretty ignorant and, um, you know, study your history with China and study the present with China and that kind of things before you start preaching LeBron James. Uh, and I think that's a bad message. You know, he has a lot of fans, both black and white. I mean, you know, a lot of people love LeBron James. He is a great basketball player. Uh, but, you know, what what kind of message does that send to the black youth and, you know, even other black people that you have to fear like that and he's saying he fears for his life like that i don't know i i just don't think that's a great message to send to people um kind of that victim mentality but that's just my opinion uh i guess if people fear for their lives and they have justification for that but i just don't think anybody in his uh, position should uh put that kind of fear and you know, that kind of fear controls people. And um, what kind of life is that when you're fearful all the time? And statistically, I don't I don't think that that's the case that that many people, you know, get shot by police. And especially if they are doing what the police are commanding them. You know, I've always I've always told my kids and, and anything else you get pulled over. 
I don't care how big of an asshole that cop is because there is definitely some assholes out there and they have power trips and that kind of thing. You, you mind what they say to you, you com their command, you go ahead and go with it because you know what, you can always dispute it later in court or whatever, but you, you do something stupid. Those guys are, you know, they're full of adrenaline. They have a lot of um, customers that they deal with and felons that they deal with that they, you know, they are bad news to them. So you go by what, um, what they say. And I think every, you'll be a lot safer. And, uh, you know, um, I think also that on the basketball, I think if those guys want their ratings back, that they better realize that they better just stick with the basketball and not get into such political stuff. Because you know what, who really wants to watch basketball or baseball or football or anything and hear a bunch of political crap? You know, we're trying to escape that stuff. That's all we're bombarded with is COVID-19 and presidential election and other elections. And so we want an escape. So, yeah, if they want their people back, I think they definitely better um, get wise and play some damn basketball. All right, so to lighten the mood a little bit for the week, the start of the week, I have the Hispanic word of the day. So my first Hispanic word of the day is specialize, specialize. I say Janet is cockeyed, but mom says she just has specialize. All right, so my second Hispanic word of the day is seminar, seminar. I have 12 children. My doctor says my seminar very potent. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed those. Hope you enjoyed my little podcast. Uh, I enjoy doing them. I want everybody out there to have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you next week.